Bless you, Grace Point. Good to see you. Before I forget it, I want to say happy birthday to Sister Grace Hughes, Minister Hughes back there. Amen. Turn 91 on Tuesday. Amen. We love you, Sister Grace. She is such a blessing to me personally, to my family, to this church, and to the kingdom of God at large. And uh, I just pray I'm as spry as she is at 91. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. How, how many has ever heard that uh, we're not promised tomorrow? That's a lie. Good morning. We're glad you're here. You didn't get that out of the Bible. In fact, the Bible does promise you tomorrow. See, some of you act like you don't even believe that. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You don't have an oath from God that you'll be alive tomorrow. But you do have a promise. And not just one, there's several of them. And I, I sent this to somebody this week that was wrestling with that very thought. You know, the Bible says the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And the enemy uses that, although he's lost the power over death, hell, and the grave, because Jesus took that power when he was resurrected. You believe that? And yet people still die in the natural, but you don't die in the spiritual. Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, they died. Jesus come to give us life. And we have eternal life, not temporary life. We have eternal life. And you don't, you don't wait till you get to heaven to get eternal life. You receive that when you receive the eternal one, which is Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? Isaiah 46 and 4, it says, even to your old age, God's talking here now. He said, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry you and will deliver you. There's a promise. So if you had not got gray hairs yet, hang in there. If you had gray hairs and they got now turned wavy and have waved bye-bye, it's okay. You got many promises from God. To not have a promise of tomorrow is not to have a promise of a future because your future is tomorrow. Now, none of this has got anything to do with what I'm preaching about. But you just need to know that there is promises and you claim those promises. And when you feel those fearful things that you're going to die um, young, die early, just because somebody in your family did or somebody you knew did, something like that, you, you stand on those promises and you claim that promise. They sung to us this morning in worship, all his promises are yes and amen. amen. And so God wants you to have long life. And the Bible always speaks of that and talks about that. And so uh, you just be encouraged in that today. And don't, don't believe the lies of the, of the enemy. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Um, that you know, the, the, today I just want to talk to you um, out of... You know, just we're just going to call it believe. But before I do, and I realize you're standing, let me just read this to you. I get letters all the time. Go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down. I, I get letters. When I say letters, I get emails. Uh, occasionally I do get a letter, but I get emails mostly and uh, text and so forth uh, from people. And many things occur, of course, that I don't even know about, I'm not aware of. And, um, and I just got this uh, email a couple of days ago, three days ago, 
And uh, this couple started coming to our church back in uh, July. And I never even actually met them, as far as I know. I may have shake, you know, shook their hand or something like that. But, uh, but anyway, so this, this is what it says. I'm just going to read you a portion of what they sent me. Uh, he says, my wife and I travel for my job. We were in Valdosta for two months. We found your church right away. We both received the revelation of God's grace on July the 7th when we listened to your message, which is awesome. Wow, we were blown away. I listen to Dan Moeller all the time, but Dan, Dan's message doesn't go after religion like your message. I am at a loss for words on how to say thanks for being bold and standing up for this message. I will carry it for the rest of my life, and I believe everyone around me will be transformed. We will be blessed for the rest of our lives. We have a brother-in-law that is all about confessing his sins every day. We gave him your book that I bought while I was there, and he has been blown away. He will receive the revelation soon. We just want to say thank you. We wish you would move to Texas and we could continue to attend your church. <laughs> be blessed, Pastor Dale, and stay bold. The message you carry is the truth, and don't allow the enemy to tell you any different. Your, your message made a light go off in my heart that God is good, like literally all the time. And this is, I'll just give, uh, his first name is Kelsey, and they now live in Amarillo, Texas. Would y'all give God praise for that? Because, amen. And uh, in fact, further in his email, he had said that, you know, his heart's desire now is to be, go into the ministry and to be in ministry. And, and I thank God as he does go into ministry now, he's going to be locked and loaded with God's goodness, kindness, and grace. Amen. And I, and I told our elders, I sent this, I forwarded this on to our elders this week. And I told them, I said, this is one reason, brothers, that the Lord, that the enemy is fighting uh, us so hard. Uh, you know, uh, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We understand that. And, and we're not trying to take ground from the enemy. Don't ever believe those kind of phrases. We're not taking ground. We're just holding the ground that's been given to us by the cross and what Jesus did and accomplished at the cross. And sometimes it feels like that ground's been taken from us uh, by the enemy. He's trying to strangle, uh, you know, all kind of ministries and even hurt this church uh, financially, you know. And, uh, you know, all this doesn't just happen. And there's so many people that, that they, you know, respond to us and they text us. And there's so many watching today, hello, on Facebook. And, uh, and we appreciate that. We put that out there for a reason. You know, but we don't want to put you put it out on Facebook so to say stay home in your drawers and watch us on TV, you know, on your computer. I mean, there's nothing like being in the house of the Lord, being here with, with God's people. But I also say all the people that don't have churches, there's people in other cities and other states that, that communicate to me. They watch us all the time. Man, if we're a blessing to you, why don't you just, I, I just ask you to sincerely pray about supporting us financially. Of course, I want your prayers. But all this costs money. They, you know, down at Georgia Power, they don't take prayer when we get a light bill. You know? And so this church has a wide net. We reach a lot of uh, different folks. And so don't ever be deceived on maybe what you see or don't see on a Sunday morning. You know, I, even in what I, what I do now uh, in, in helping uh, Medicare folks, we'll just say it that way. This, this couple of weeks ago, I ran into a person right here in Valdosta just in conversation, and this man couldn't afford to have his, he couldn't be on medicine. I mean, it's like, you know, take medicine or eat. 
And so he had to choose to eat instead. He couldn't afford his medicine. Didn't even have any means to, to do that. And it's, a, it's kind of a long story, but I helped him in, in that area. And in, just in conversation, uh, I found out that he has been coming to this church for years to receive food. Uh, most of you know, and some of you don't know, that, that, that we have a food ministry. And uh, uh, Charles, Charles, wave your hand there. And Charles and Katrina, Katrina, wave your hand, darling. And these two, and, uh, under Charles' leadership back there, you know, for years and years, this church, from its, almost from its inception, has given away boxes and bags of food uh, to people every week. And uh, I told you, just because of financial considerations some time ago, I changed it to one day a week. We used to do it every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon. So I changed it now. What are we doing on Tuesday right now, Charles? And so doing it one day, you know how sneaky they are. They're feeding as many people on that one day as they did on the two days. Because <laughs> they just, and, and, and you know, and, and just, just people, sometimes you don't realize that. You don't know that. Because that's not something you see and it's not something that we talk about. But I run into a man face to face who found out I was the senior pastor of the church that had been giving them food. Uh, and, and his eyes filled up with tears. And man, and mine did too once he started telling me how important and what a blessing that was. And he, he first looked at me, Charles, like, and I don't know if you've met him yet, uh, he looked at me like he didn't even believe I was the pastor. He, and I said, you know Charles, right? And I said, you know Katrina? And he said, yeah, I know them. And he, I said, he said I'm going to ask Charles about you then. <laughs> I said, well, you ask Charles. Ask Charles if he knows me. He'll, he'll tell you. And, uh, but per, firsthand, I got to see how important it is. I remember the guy over the food minister, the food bank, I guess, here in Valdosta, one time he said, Pastor, please don't ever stop doing that. Because he said, what you guys are doing basically is you're giving food to the working class poor. You're giving food to people that helps, it just helps them. They come once a month, and they can't come every week, but they come once a month. But we have people that come every week. And so I encourage you. I want to thank Ivory. Just Ivory just reached in his own pocket as an elder of this house, and just bless that food ministry so much. And Ivory, we appreciate it. Ivory Lucas, and, and he didn't do it for that. He wouldn't even want me doing that. But I want to tell you, that's, that's the kind of heart he has. And he reached in and gave thousands of dollars and says, this food ministry is important. And he says, Pastor, just don't even worry about it. And, and we're going we're gonna to keep doing what we're doing. Thank you, Ivory, for being that kind of man of God, for that kind of man, and for that kind of an elder. And uh, so I just encourage you, just if, if we all do the, the prompting of the Lord, everything will be taken care of. Amen? Amen. So uh, in Romans chapter 4, I, and I just, again, we're just going to talk about believe. Everybody say believe. Now, it's so important because everything that we are involved with with God is about believing. That's how salvation comes. Remember, you know, you hear me refer to it a lot, but the, in the Philippian jail, that jailer asked, the Apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? He didn't say confess your sins. He didn't say do any of that stuff that the churches tell you to do. He said believe upon the Lord Jesus and you shall be what? Saved. Romans 10 tells you how to get saved. In the whole chapter of Romans 10, the word sin doesn't appear. And what does it say? It says believe. It says with the heart man believeth. And with the mouth confession is made unto righteousness. And so believing is so important. In Romans 4 and 3 it says for what does the scripture say? It says Abraham did what? He believed God. And what happened? It was accounted to him for righteousness. And it doesn't mean that he really wasn't righteous, but I'm just going to pretend he is. 
God credited his account. It, that's what that means, as righteousness. Where did that righteousness come from? It came from Christ. It came from Jesus. And then the classic basic scripture that we all should know by heart, John 3, 16. And, it's, and it says that for God so loved. He didn't just say he loved the world, but he so loved. I like that other part, don't you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That Look here, that whosoever does what? Believes again. Believes in what? Believes in him. Not believes in what you're going to get from him. Not believes in what you're going to receive. Not believe in what you're wanting to happen. But believe in the person behind the promise. Believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so I want to tell you something. The enemy will do everything in his power. The devil, if you don't know who I'm talking about. But the Bible calls him our adversary. Now he's still loose on the planet. He doesn't have any power except to lie to us. And the power that we give him by believing his lies. But... Listen, I understand it way too well. He does everything in his power to destroy your belief system. And, and I, I don't think I've ever, I know I hadn't seen a, a, a more uh, challenging time than in these past, I want to say past 10, even to 15 years, where I have heard this phrase uttered by more believers now, Christians, than ever before. They'll say things like this. And maybe you said it, and this is not a condemning thing. They say, I don't know what I believe anymore. I don't know if I believe that any longer. I just don't know what I believe. And so I, I've seen and heard a lot of that. Uh, I've heard it when it came out of my mouth. Y'all just pray for me. I'm trying to get saved. What causes us to feel that way? What causes us to say those things? Because our circumstances. And, and we look around and the promises of God or what we believe for, we're not experiencing it in our everyday lives. And, and, and in that season, in that moment, uh, the enemy there is right there to challenge. You know, where's God at? I thought you was promised this. Or look at you. You can't even do this or that. Whatever it is. And, and, and he, he works on trying to get us to relinquish the hope it's on the inside of us. I didn't pick the songs out today, but man, I personally needed to hear all three of the messages that was in those worship songs today. Man, they were powerful. That all of God's promises are yes and amen. God's promises to you are not maybe, well, it's not for you, it's for the guy sitting next. No, no. No, all of God's promises. How many of them? All of his promises. What the Bible says. That's not just a song. They're just singing scripture. And, uh, and so... With what you believe, it's not what you believe in your head, it's what you believe in your heart. You've heard me say this before, Jennifer Strachner over there, and Jimmy, I love them so much. And uh, back before I ever even came to this church, I was aware of this church, but this goes back a long time. But back in, in 2007, I guess it was, Jen, when we first put my house up for sale, you know, I guess I caused the stock market to crash because I put my house up for sale and then the, the stock market, um, not the stock market, but uh, yeah, that crashed too, but the housing market, the bottom fell out in other words. And uh, man, I remember when we went to put that uh, property for sale and I didn't even know Jennifer, never even heard of her. I just opened up the Valdosta Times and I just looked in there and found this company, actually that back then it was called Prudential, I believe. And uh, you know, I said, that looks like an honest face. So I just called that woman and I didn't even know. And, when she, and she brought another realtor with her, I remember, and she, and she said, I know you. You remember that when we met in our kitchen? Anyway, she, she, put, uh, she put my place up for sale. It would be about six years later, wasn't it? Five and a half, six years later before it sold. No fault to her, the economy fell out. And I remember they had a nice little sign out there in the ditch, you know, for sale, whatever. 
and it just rocked on and on and on. Nobody ever even came by and gave us an offer. And, and, and not only did I want to sell it, I needed to sell it. And when those things are not happening that you want to happen, it can be very challenging to what you believe. And I remember as time went along, I kind of, you know, you kind of move through phases. At least I do. I got angry. Not so much at God. I was a little ticked off at him, you know, to be honest. You know, I help a brother out, you know what I'm saying, sell this house. And uh, I remember I'd, you know, I said, man, ain't nobody ever even stopped me off me $50 for this place. You know what I'm saying? I had 27 acres, you know. They said, well, that's the problem. You got too much land with it. Well, come on. Somebody wants 27 acres, don't they? You know, had to, all kind of stuff. But the point is, I remember one day as we got, I didn't know it was fisting to go. We thought we had it sold two different times, and we did kind of have it. But it, how many knows if you know anything about real estate, it's never sold till you walk away from the closing table, okay? And uh, we never got to do that for a long time. But I remember I had a lady, a visiting minister, that came in with another minister in my office here at church. And uh, she was real enthusiastic, which I appreciate. But I'm not into just, you know, hype. And she said, and they would somehow come up about that, and the, and the other brother told her my house hadn't sold, you know, and they was going to pray. And I'd had probably at that time probably about 100 people pray for my house to sell, okay? And um, so I, uh, she said, well, you got to believe it, Pastor Dale. you got to believe it. She said, do you believe it? She was just getting all, you know, excited in my office. She said, you believe it? And I said, no. <laughs> I had never met the woman before. And uh, I remember she looked so shocked when I told her no, I didn't believe it. And, uh, but I just let that simmer a little bit when I said no. I said I don't. And she just stood there a second. And I said not with my head I don't. Because everything in my head tells me it ain't going to happen. But I said with my heart, I still believe. And I said the day that I quit believing with my heart is the day I'll pull the real estate sign out the ditch. And, uh, and give it back to them. But I said, as long as that sign's sitting there with my heart, for every day, for 365, for six years, I had to pull in my drive and see that sign. But you, you got to keep believing. Even when your head don't agree, even when it makes no sense, even when the doctor says no, when the economy says no, when the employer says no, when everybody else tells you no. But you're not believing from up here. You don't have to use this to believe. In fact, you don't use this to believe. This here has to come in agreement with here. And with the heart, man believes. That's where the belief system is. It's in your heart. And you don't have to comprehend it. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody. You just stand. And having done all to stand, then you just keep standing. And what are you standing on? You're standing on the word of God. You're standing on God's promise to you. You're, you're not looking at the circumstances. Or if you do, you're going to be discouraged. Psalm 27 and verse 13, David writes, I would have lost heart. Now, didn't I just tell you why heart's so important? I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, David said, don't lose heart. See, that's why the enemy, because with the heart, man believes. And so if he can get you to lose heart, he can tear down your belief system. And we just can't allow him to do that. And then the next verse 14 tells us, how do you do that? Wait on the Lord. And we're not good at waiting, are we? We don't like to wait for the burger through the drive-thru. <laughs> We don't like to wait on anybody for anything any longer. We are an instant society. We don't like to wait for the traffic light to change. 
My God, it's taking this long. It's the longest traffic light in Valdosta, we say. <laughs> you want to call somebody, make them change that light to be more speedy for you. Then unless you're sitting on the other side of the intersection, then you'll call and report that. I'm not, you know, really wired as a patient person myself. And my sister Jill. Okay, no. You want to preach right here and let me take a break? Okay. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your what? Your heart. Not your head. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Why do you have to tell us twice? Because we don't get it the first time. And he said, what you got to do is wait on the Lord. Now, Acts 27 Paul is involved in a voyage. They carried him to Rome. They get in a storm. Paul is visited by an angelic person, an angel of the Lord, tells him he won't die. You're going to live. You're going to have to appear before Caesar. Now, Paul steps out to encourage the men on the boat. Now, they're still in the middle of a storm so treacherous that all of them think they're going to die. He says, therefore, take what? Heart. See how important this is? Men, for I believe God. Man, what a powerful statement that is. I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. <laughs> now, that's the part that we get really messed up on. Now, sometimes all we think about is ourselves and how this affects me. And what I'm going through, how it affects me. But you are really not an island to yourself, so to speak. No pun intended. You are part of the body of Christ. And, 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 and there's more at stake than you having a nice life and having a nice ride. And there are sometimes there are things and circumstances that happen in our life, and I don't mean sickness and disease, but there are things that happen that don't make any sense, but yet there's a divine providence hand of God in it. And what was going to happen, Paul had been revealed that they're going to shipwreck on this island. And the island is called Malta in the Mediterranean Sea. Very, very small island. Only about a mile uh, long and, and, and very narrow island. You would think it had no significance whatsoever. But Paul said that, that, that we must run aground on a certain island. And the word Malta uh, is a, is a uh, word that means, a Greek word, it, it actually means honey sweet. And sometimes, how can a shipwreck, because <laughs> they're actually, they, they dash the ship on the rocks, and, and, and yet it, the island is honey sweet. What you thought was bitter is going to be sweet. What you thought was difficult. And, and it says like this, Paul said the ship broke up, and it said some of them swam, and some of them floating in on boards. On, some of them, it says, on pieces of the ship made it to the you ever made it to church in with a piece of a car? <laughs> you ever made it on a piece of a check? This ain't a check. This is just a piece of a check. <laughs> you ever made it just, I mean, how you arrived wasn't in style, but you arrived anyway. How you made it, you didn't look good. You was cold and wet when you got there, but you still got there. You still made it there. Do you see the difference? And so sometimes, sometimes we just have to make it in on a piece of a piece of a ship. We didn't come in and dock and you know and somebody you know put the flowers around our neck. We floated in. We come in on a piece of, <laughs> piece of a of a ship, just holding on to some wood coming in. 
Amen. <laughs> but God had a purpose on that. And, of course, the, the, the leader of the island, of those, those barbarians, the Scripture calls them, Paul, by the power of God, healed him, delivered him, and the whole island turned their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? God cared about those people that were called barbarians. He loved them, and he was going to send Paul by there to reach out to them. And so it wasn't about just Paul having a nice voyage. And Paul had the ability to look at things and realize that God's hand is involved in this. That's why when he was in that Philippian jail and his feet were chained to the wall and his hands was changed and it was midnight and they had already beaten his back and he's in there with Silas and God had sent him to Macedonia and he knew and he had a vision from the Lord to go to Macedonia. He saw a man saying, come over and help us. And he knew it was God. And yet when he got there, first thing that happened to him, he got thrown in jail and beaten. But what did he do? I don't understand this. I can't see how the Lord's got any glory, how his hand's in this. I thought God sent me here. That's how we look at it, don't we? But what did Paul do? At midnight, he started singing praises to God. That's what they sung about today. They said, this is how we battle. We battle by praising God. It's really one of the most difficult things you'll ever do is when everything in you, circumstances and your feelings tell you otherwise, to stand there and lift and give praise to God. You know, I was sitting there today, and uh, <laughs> I do. Anyway, I walked out of the house, and when I got out in the sunshine, I realized the trousers I had on were navy, dark navy. And I go, well, that'll never do. So I had to turn around and go back in the house and change my, my pants. And I went in there and I, you know, and I asked Jill, is this black or navy? And she said, that's navy. And then I went into my closet, tried to find my black trousers. I couldn't find them. So I have to get my wife to find them. And she couldn't find them really either. We never did find them, did we? If any of y'all seen my trousers, I haven't. No. <laughs> so I had to pull these black trousers out of a black suit. But, I'm, you know, I may, may do. It's amazing what you'll see in the light that you can't see in the dark. When you get in the light, the interest of thy word brings light. You'll see things that you didn't see. And uh, so I put these on, and you know, and I, I hadn't worn this. And really, a lot of times I don't wear that black suit very often. And I was sitting there on the front row today while they're worshiping God and just saying, you know, I, there's, there, there's things that's heavy on my heart. Some of these challenges financially for this house, not for me, it, 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 for this house, you know, it's on my heart. And, uh, and so I, I, I just, you know, was standing there, and I felt like I had something in my, in my pants pocket. And I, and I reached in pants pocket and said, what is that? And it was a card, like a little card thank you card or whatever, and it was from a funeral home. And so I had did, done a funeral back in August, and so I didn't even, I guess I just stuck it in my back pocket when I had on that black suit at the funeral and never even found it again. And anyway, the point is it was from McLean Funeral Home and I reached an open and there was a check in there made out to me for $100. And that was way back in August. I didn't even know I had it. But frankly, most time when you do funerals, that's, you just do it out of the kindness. You don't get, there ain't no blessings financially for doing them. And I felt like the Lord just said to me, see, son, I, I, I got money for you. You don't even know where it's coming from. You, you, I mean, you don't, even, you don't even know. 
You don't even know. I mean, I'm sitting there wrestling stuff, and God says, I'm your provider. I, I'm your provider. I can cause money just to come. I mean, you're sitting on a hundred dollars. Don't even know you got it. You know, that last weekend I told you that my our air conditioner system went out at the house. And it was $7,500 to put another one in. That was actually one of the cheaper prices. The other two were ten grand. It's like that you can get a real nice one for ten. I said, how much for one just a cool? <laughs> I don't care how fancy it is. One of them said, you, it's just $10,000. That's got a cover over it, you know, where it, it don't rain down in the outside unit. That's okay. Just give me the regular one. <laughs> You know that hurt that hits you hard. You know when you get hit with a with a with a bill like that. Most people, and you know, and I say things like this just try to encourage you. Y'all come back next Sunday and I'll preach. I'm just talking to you today. You, probably ten, I don't know, ten plus years ago, a person gave me some stock in in a company as a gift. They just said I felt like giving this to you. And it was almost penny stock, really, at that point. It had, it had bottomed out. And, uh, I mean, ain't no big deal. It, it, I just, it was Fannie Mae stock. So once the economy crashed, that thing went down to the bottom. Government had to bail it out, whatever. And so this, but this person, you know, gave me uh, some stock in that. And, and, I, and I hadn't really thought much about it, held on to it all these years. But when I got hit with that large amount the other day, I felt like, I want to cash that in. <laughs> I need. I don't want to be paying these people. I want to. I want to take care of this and be done with it. And so I called my son-in-law, who led. You know, was up here on the worship team today, because he's. That's what he does. He's a Tanner Investment. He's a stock uh, advisor and a financial advisor. And uh, I said, John. I said, listen, buddy. I have my air conditioner to go out, and I, I need to just take care of this and get it taken care of. And I said that stock and all that I got with you, because I had transferred it to him, you know, to to whatever. And uh, I said, I need you to sell it. And I didn't even look and see. It don't matter. I got to sell it. <laughs> so I said, sell it. You know, whatever it is, just sell it. You know. And uh, and I kind of knew what it was back in July last time I'd actually looked at it. And uh, I just said, sell it. And I said, you know, get, get me the money where I can pay for this air conditioner system. So he, he called me the next day or the end of that day, and he said, he said, that stock went up today. Today, the day you're telling me to sell it. And he said it went up almost 40-something percent in one day. And, <laughs> and, uh, and when he calculated it, my profit was 7800 and something dollars that I made in one day off of that stock. So, <laughs> now he said, I checked it three times, and then I called somebody in New York that I know personally, because he said, this is my, my, my father-in-law, and I don't want to tell him something that's not right, but he said, I want to be sure that this it went up that high in that one day. He said, it's, that's what it is. They said, it's, it, I don't know what's going on with it. And I said, did you, when he called and told me that, I said, did you get it sold at that price? <laughs> he said, I did. I got it locked in. And, and you know what that did? That paid for my air conditioner. That paid for my air conditioner system. And so I didn't want to leave you thinking, be sad for the preacher. God took care of it. 
And, and, and when I and when he, actually when I was driving down the road when when he called and told me that, and when I hung up the phone, I, all I could do was cry. Because I and this is what I said to God because it's just me and my truck, and I said, God, Father, you've always been there for me. Even when I didn't know you were there and didn't believe you were there, I said, you have always been like this. You have always been faithful. You've always provided. You've always been there for me. And, and it just it touched my heart so good. Because I've been kind of in a zone when I felt like I've been on my own a little bit, but I, I know I'm not. And every now and then, something like that. And you can say, well, that was coincidence. I'll take them all day long, baby, if they like that. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I know God intervened in that. you saying he made the stock market go up for you. Well, he made the sun stop in the sky for one man while he was whooping on somebody. I saw I mean, <laughs> He just kept it daylight where Joshua keep whooping on some people. I mean, he can do something. That ain't hard for God. Just a, just a normal day of being God. And I just want you to, to be encouraged. And, we, and, and you stand on those promises. And, and God's, I don't know how God's going to do it. You might be sitting on it like I was in your back pocket. Don't even know you got it. See, so many times we discount what's going on in our lives. And, and, and you know, I want to tell you about somebody that God chose to be a great, great leader. I mean, he had, he, I mean this guy's church was bigger than Joel Osteen's. The guy I'm talking about. Ain't nobody ever had a church big as this guy. He had more members than anybody. His church was 3 million members. That's bigger than Joe. 3 million. His name's Moses. You ever heard of him? He's a pastor. Three million people. Now, one time he begged God to kill him because he said, did I give birth to all these people? He said, I, he was saying, I can't take it. <laughs> and God said, now you guys get you some staff to help you out. That's another message. Uh, here's a guy that, whose name Moses means taken out, drawn out, literally. It means to be drawn out. Now, listen to me. Do you realize that there's some things in you that are yet to be drawn out of you? I don't care how old you are. Now, Moses' life is pretty precarious. There is a death threat on every Hebrew baby uh, son that's being born. Pharaoh's killing them off. So his mama hides him, and he is hidden away, and uh, then she puts him, you know, in the little basket, and she floats him down a crocodile-infested Nile River. But it was strategic. Some preach that like she just put him in the river in case of rocks or rock. No, no, that's her, that's, man, that's his mother. She loves him more than anything in the world. And so she saw Pharaoh's daughter and all of them down, you know, at the, at the water's edge. And so she strategically places him in the river with the current flowing towards them, knowing that they would hear his cry and see him. And sure enough, one of the maids says, I hear a baby crying. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter says, bring him to me. Her heart was touched because God's working. And she takes that little baby named Moses and raises him as her own. And he is raised in an Egyptian home, in a palace, in an Egyptian school. He's taught Egyptian language. He's taught Egyptian gods. And he eats Egyptian food. And he gets an Egyptian haircut. And he dresses like an Egyptian. Why does that matter? It's real important. Now, he knows in his heart what he is as a Hebrew. And somehow he knows that God's called him to deliver 
his people from bondage. And at 40 years of age, he rises up, handles it wrongly, and he kills an Egyptian who he saw beating up on a Hebrew slave, right? Buries his body in the sand, and then it, he realizes that he has been seen and found out, and he runs for his life to get out of there. And he flees out into the wilderness alone, and he takes the lowest position uh, vocationally that there was, which was a shepherd. And for 40 years, he's a shepherd. The Bible says on the backside of the desert. That's not only a wilderness. That's in the, in the, in the sure enough where they have to pipe the sunshine in. You understand what I'm saying? That's where he is. He's in the wilderness. And the Lord appears to him and gets his attention by a bush that burns but won't burn up. And God talks to him. And God calls him to go and deliver his people out of Egyptian bondage. Are you all with me? And so God's carrying on a conversation, and this is in Exodus chapters 3 and 4, and Moses is complaining and giving God every excuse why he can't do it. Now, you've got to understand, if I was God, I'd never pick that guy. And if I was God, I'd never pick this guy to be talking to you today. But God picks us anyway. And God calls you, and God uh, equips you, and God sends you to places you otherwise would never go. And so God calls this guy, and he says, I've called you to go in to set my people free, to be a deliverer. Now, you've got to listen to me. He's 80. Everybody say 80. Well, that was kind of a different Bible 80. No, 80 is 80. 80's, he's 80 years old. God's talking to him. He says, I'm going to send you to Egypt. He starts giving him all these reasons. Now, Moses, now listen to me. He's pretty messed up, really, by today's standards. He is Egyptian by circumstances, but he is Hebrew by birth. He tells God, I can't do it, I can't speak well. He, if, it's almost comical. If you read that whole argument that he has given to God, he is speaking fluently. He says, I'm not eloquent. He uses big words. <laughs> it's like he, he's proving that he can do it because he's sure speaking well to God. In arguing against what God's calling him to do. And so God just says to him, and, and, and then he says this. He tries to give God the excuses. I can't speak good. Some people think he had a speech impediment. Some people, the Bible's not really clear, honestly, on what, what was going on there. He, he may mean that I don't speak Hebrew that well because all I've been taught is Egyptian. It, it doesn't matter. But then he finally says, well, if I do go, then the people won't believe that you appeared to me. And they won't do what I say anyway. And then the Lord says, what's in your hand? <laughs> I love the way God, God said, what's in your hand? And what does a shepherd have? What is his primary means of making a living and protecting his sheep and defending his sheep and saving his sheep? Is that, that, that staff, that rod, so important. That was their prime tool. I mean, that, you know, whatever your prime tool is to do your job, that's his. And he says, what's in your hand? He says, a rod. He says, throw it on the ground. No, I can't let this how I make a living. I can't let go of this. This is how I get paid. I can't let go of this. This is what I'm trusting in. I can't let go of this. I can't turn this loose. I've got to hang on to this in case you don't help me. Sometimes God will ask you to throw down the thing you're trusting in most because you're trusting in it more than you are trusting in him. Come on now. And so he says, throw it to the ground. And Moses threw it to the ground, and it became a serpent. And the Bible says Moses ran from it. I would have too. <laughs> I run from all snakes until I, I run to get a shovel and come back and kill them. 
pulled up the other night. There was a cane brake rattler trying to get in my garage. You know, why? Because we got a hamster in there, one of the grandbabies. That's my theory. He smelled it with that tongue, and he was going to go have supper. Not tonight, my brother. <laughs> I sneaked by him and got a shovel. <laughs> Quit looking at me. Jill knows, man, I hauled off. I hit that snake like he was the most powerful thing on the planet. And I come back to the backyard with that shovel. And she's sitting there laughing at me while I kill him. I ain't taking no chances. I'm going to kill him with the first hit. Come on, my property, devil is a lie. <laughs> See, he threw it down, it became a serpent. Then, and he ran from it. Listen, if you run from anything, you'll start running from everything. And, and, and one, of Mo, listen, one of Moses' problems was he, when stuff got tough, he ran. So he kills the guy in Egypt. Instead of facing it, he ran. Thing turns into a serpent, he ran. Moses would have spent the rest of his life. Some people spend their life running from everything. No matter what it is, pressure on the job, I quit, I run from it. Pressure in the marriage, I quit, I run from it. Pressure with this, I quit, I run from it. You can run from it, but you're going to keep, you're going to be running. And so he, 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 God says, take it by the tail. You, you just don't do that. But he, he believed God, he took it by the tail, and it became a staff, a rod in his hand. He would use that rod to part the Red Sea. He would use that rod to strike the rock and symbolize the crucifixion uh, and as the water come from the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you, you don't know because sometimes it's just a staff, but if you give whatever you've got in your hand to God, it becomes much more than a staff. It becomes much more than a piece of wood. You understand? I mean, the, the, the things we do for God, things we give to God, I mean, it doesn't look like much. It doesn't look significant, but when you give it to God, it becomes something powerful. He was 80 when he got started. You see all these stories. I, my older son, he posted a lot of things that are encouraging on with the, from the business side of it. And I, I think that was him this week I read. And he had, had a bunch of people. It may not have been him. I think it was. But a bunch of people, you know, that, you know, just encouraging people. Don't let your older age stop you from believing. He was 80 when he got started, Moses. I mean, William, he had no Kentucky Fried Chicken because that brother didn't start until he was 65. He sure hit that recipe right, didn't he? Y'all think about chicken right now, ready? Hurry up and get through. And so many people later in their life is when God used them in a powerful way. So you'd be encouraged in that. I want to tell you something about this God. God's always wanting you just to believe in him. And, 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 and some of you know this, some of you don't, but there's two stories in the Bible Two, only two occurrences, literal occurrences, where Jesus himself said they got great faith. Now, one of them was the, uh, the Syrophoenician woman. In other words, she's not Jewish. And some people wish that was not in the Bible because of the way Jesus talked to her. Remember, that's the woman that he literally called a dog. Remember, she she's, uh, comes to Jesus and she says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he's passing by and she's screaming out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says this. Jesus, it said, he answered her not a word. Remember that story? How rude of Jesus. How rude. I thought he answered people's cries. 
But the Bible says that, that, that he answered her not a word. That's in Matthew 15. If you want to read it later on, we're not going to read. But he said he answered her not a word. He just ignored her. If you're talking to me and I answer you not a word, can't you say I'm ignoring you? And then the disciples come to him and said, send this woman away for she bothers us. She's bugging us. She won't shut up. Send her away. Now, what was the woman saying? Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, when the disciples come to Jesus and they say that to him, Jesus says out where the woman can hear it and literally says it to the woman. He said, it is not right for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. The most offensive thing you could call somebody in the Bible time is a dog. Jesus said, it is not right for me to take the children's bread, the Jewish children, their bread, and give it to a dog. And this is what her response. Well, I never. I'm never going to this church again. I'm not going to believe in that guy. She said, yea, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus looked at her, big smile. He said, woman. Great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Now listen. Listen to me. A lot of people don't understand that whole thing. She's not Jewish. But what she is quoting and what she is beseeching the Lord on is a Jewish oath. Son of David, have mercy on me. In other words, she's saying to Jesus, I'm a Jew, so I'm in your religion I'm a daughter of David, so he'll bring healing to our home. Jesus says, no, you ain't you fronting, girl. You understand what I mean by that? You're not telling the truth. In other words, listen, you're trying to use a religious something to get your healing. You're, you're trying to use Jewish religion here. You're not a Jewish person. You are a, 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 a Gentile woman. You are a Canaanite woman. You are not a Jew, and you're trying to use our religion to cash out. And that's not faith, and that's sure not faith in me. So Jesus turns around and, and busts her. In other words, he, you know, the scam's over, girl. Uh, you're a dog. And when, when Jesus said you're a dog, she knew I've been found out I'm a Gentile. You're right. And that's why they were all non-Jews were considered dogs. By the Jewish people, not God, but by Jewish people. So she realizes that her front has been done away with. And now is what Jesus wanted. She forgets all the religion, listen, and she says, Yea, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And now that's all Jesus was after, for her to have faith not in a religion but in a person, and that was him. Jesus says, go thy way. Great is your faith. The healing was administered. That's all he wanted. Remember in, in, uh, in uh, what is it, in Luke, uh, I think it's Luke uh, 7, the centurion. Remember this guy? He has a servant that's at the point of death. He doesn't come himself. He sends people to, to Jesus and beseeches him to heal him. And the Bible says, I won't even find this, in Luke chapter 7, if they could put it up for us, verses 4 and 5, the Jews come to Jesus. Now, this is what they're saying about this centurion. 
He says, and when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was what? Deserving. Why? Verse 5, for he loves our nation and he built a church. You know some folks think they can give and build and get into heaven based on it. This man, these Jewish people, this is how they viewed things. They said that he's deserving for you to heal his servant because he loves our nation and he built us a synagogue. Please, y'all get this. That's not a reason. God doesn't heal because of that. Let me tell you how some of you say it. Well, if the Lord would heal such and such and such and such, it would, it would have a great testimony. And a lot of people would be saved if he would just heal my mom or heal me or heal my son or daughter. God ain't going to heal him to give you a great testimony. God's going to heal him because he loves you. And by his stripes you were healed. You don't, there's no bargaining needed. No negotiation desired by God. And isn't it interesting that the only two people in the whole New Testament Bible that Jesus said had great faith, neither one of them were Jewish. They were both Gentiles. And they both had no right to Jesus based on their birth. The only right they had to Jesus is they, they believed in his goodness. Now I'm going to close with this. Let me say this to you. I hope you see the point of that. All God is wanting you to do is to believe in him. Believe in him. Years ago, I'll tell you two stories and I'm done. Years ago, but they're not stories, they're testimonies. Do you understand that Revelation says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy? And when I tell you something that Jesus actually really did, do you know what I'm doing? I'm prophesying. Y'all want me to prophesy? I'm finna prophesy. And, what, and literally, that's what it means. It means do it again, God. So if somebody gives a testimony of how they saved, you want lost people to get saved, right? Somebody gives a testimony of healing, you want them to be healed. All right, listen to this testimony. I went to Atlanta one time. We went up to Fitz Plaza, whatever that one in malls is up there. And I, I don't even remember the occasion. I don't even remember what time of the year it was. But we, I know we went up there. We, don't, we, you know, we went up there. We was walking around the mall. My wife has a great anointing in the mall. <clears throat> and so while she was doing her little thing, looking in stores, I found uh, you know, uh, stores for me to go in. And so I really love history. I, love, I really like science. And so I went into one of these stores. It might have been Discovery or something like that. And so I just hung out in there. I like all that stuff. And um, so I'd been, I, I had mentioned to her over the course of, you know, I don't know, probably a few years, you know, I'd like to get me a telescope. When I was a kid, Mom and Dad bought me one, you know, and I'd be out in the yard. I remember when they were doing one the lunar landed on the moon. I was out in my yard. I was in the fifth grade. I was looking at that telescope. I thought I could see them. I never did get to see them. Should have went back in and watched it on TV. You know, but, but I've always loved that stuff, and that may make no sense to you, but I went in there, and I found this telescope, and, man, it was, it was really nice, and, uh, and it was uh, electronic. You could just punch in what you wanted to see, and it would automatically go to that planet. If you wanted to look at Saturn, it would just put in the, the thing and, and tell it, and it would go to Saturn for you, and you'd know that's what you're looking at. That's pretty cool. And I remember when she came in the store, I was actually holding the box. It was a pretty big box, wasn't it? I was holding it. She said, what are you doing? And over the years that I would mention to my wife that I'd like to get me a telescope like that, she said, you need that like you need a hole in the head. You don't need no telescope. You don't need one. I mean, she said, we're going to be starting buying telescopes like that, you know, cost that kind of money. Then I'm going to get in line. For, I need some stuff too. <laughs> so you women, y'all know how to do that stuff. 
She's talking about, I, I, I need some stuff too. <laughs> you know? So I took that thing, I took that box, put it back up on this chair. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I said, and I was right. I said, I said you're right. I said, that's a lot of money, you know, to look up at the sky. Uh, I, you, know, you know, so I decided not to get it. And um, didn't think no more about it, honestly. And it was a specific telescope, specific brand, specific time. Put it back on the shelf, didn't think nothing about it. Never mentioned anything to anybody. My wife, no, never mentioned anything. I don't know, a couple of months went by. And so at the church I was pastoring, there were some of the ladies, actually, it was, you know, some of the intercessors and prayer team, uh, they, they was all come up there. I thought, well, what, you know, what are y'all all coming up? They said, they, they, just looked, they just looked suspicious. They were just kind of grinning, you know. They said, we, we, we got something that we, we want to give you. You know, and the church was over. And, they, and so they went in one of the offices, and they come out with this box. Anyway, so when, and they wanted me to open it right then, and I did. And it was that exact telescope. I don't mean one year, some, I mean it's the exact telescope. And, and, and I remember I was just floored by it. And I asked my wife, nobody told, I mean, they had no knowledge of anything. And, and that may not be a big deal to you at all. But, and I asked them, why did y'all do that? They just said that we just, we, we felt like that, you know, that we wanted to get this for you. And that somehow, you know, this, you know, this was something that you, you know, that you might like. And so that puts God in the mix. And, and I remember when I got home that day, I was just kind of bumfuddled by all that. I, I was touched. I was grateful. But I, in talking to God, I, I was like, God, why, why would you move on them to spend their money to pool their resources to get me that telescope that you clearly saw me hold that box in Atlanta in the mall. And I felt like God was trying to say something to me. There's a lot of symbolism, and, and I know it's primarily for me, but I'm trying to say to you that God cares more about just meeting your needs. God wants you to have what you want because he's a good daddy. Don't you want your kids to have what they want? Or did you want them parents only gave them what they needed? No, you give them what they want. If it's in your power. Some people are under the assumption that God only meets your needs. No, God, God, God does far more than meet your needs. And, and it opened up a dimension to God that I never saw before. And I want to say to you, you got to believe in the goodness of God. And God wanted that to happen. And there were so many things that that one event loosed in our lives that caused things that we thought were not possible to be possible. And, I, and it's too long to say. And I want to tell you this one, and I know some of you have heard me say this, but I can't reinvent another life. But some, some of you have not heard this, and it will be an encouragement to you even if you've heard it before. But when my kids were small and I first started preaching, and uh, around 1985, 86, uh, 85 actually, but I began to preach, and, and, and you know, and so I was considered an itinerant or, tra you know, evangelist. And we had bought, a, 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 back then it was real popular to have a minivan, and we had bought one because I had three kids, and that back seat would lay completely flat. Man, we could line them in there like cordwood, you know, and I'd go preach, and we'd let them go to sleep and come home. And I remember we lived in a little apartment, and, uh, and, and when I bought that minivan, it was customized. had a little TV in it, man. We had them cabin chairs, man. We thought we was something. And... Uh, and so I remember I told when we when I brought it home, I went into a little apartment, and I said, all right, y'all y'all come out here. And I brought them all out there, and I had the olive oil, you know what I'm saying? And so I slicked it down. You know what I'm saying? I anointed it with oil. 
And so I made all of them. I said, you know, you put your hands on this van. And so we out there lay hand on the van in the parking lot, and we said, and, and I prayed sincerely. I said, Lord, this is your van. Thank you for providing it for us. We dedicate this van to you. We pray you keep us safe. Angels behind us, angels before us. You know, let us preach the gospel in this. and do, you, know, not just, you know, just your prayer. And I was sincere with all my heart. And we did that, and I put me a little uh, olive oil, you know, cross on the hood, and I, dedicate, I considered myself dedicating that to the Lord. And, uh, and, and didn't think any much about it. Uh, some months later, we went to El Paso, Texas to visit her family where they lived. And it was in July, and none of this is exaggerated. And uh, it, it takes you about 26 hours of road time to get there. So we'd stop one night, and then we were going on for the next day. And, um, and, and I had driven until I was seeing double and I, I turned it over to Jill, but we wanted to make it only in El Paso that night. And uh, I remember waking up about 10, 11 o'clock and just sweating. And, uh, she, and I said, what, what's wrong with the AC? And anyway, the thing quit. And she said, well, I didn't want to wake you up. You was resting. But she said, it stopped, you know, about an hour back down. You know, it just quit. And I was like, my God. So we make it there next morning, and I'm worried about it. I know y'all don't do stuff like this, so don't follow my. But I, I go to Rudolph Chevrolet. I don't know if they're still in business, but that's who it was. Carried them the van, and, and, and they worked on it, kept it two days, worked on it, three days, something. We were going to be there a week or more. We had plans to go up into New Mexico where she had family. We was going to tour some areas up there in Cloudcroft and Alma, Gordon, Albuquerque and stuff. And, and anyway, how many knows all that stuff costs money? And so, so I go down to the pick the van up. It's five hundred and something dollars. That didn't make me happy. I didn't have five hundred dollars, so I give him the Visa card. That was one time it was for, really for emergency. So I give him that. I'm driving back to where they lived in El Paso, and it quit on me halfway back. So now I'm wanting to speak in another tongue. <laughs> so I turn around, and uh, I pull over. Tell my father-in-law, "You got to follow me back. This thing don't quit." So I pulled back up, and I got a little edge on me this time. I know y'all don't, but I got a little edge on me. Now, I done dropped $500-something, and this thing ain't no better off than it was when I brought it. All I got is a bill on my Visa card, and it still ain't got no cold air. So I said, listen here, bro. I said, this thing done quit. He said, oh, well, we'll take it back in there and see what's wrong. You know? And I'm thinking, I know you will. <laughs> it's about to get real up in here. You know? <laughs> so, but then I, I told him this before I left. I said, let me ask you something. I said, if I came in here with this van and it didn't even have an air conditioner in it and you installed one, how much would that be? He said, that'd be like $900, you know, $50. I said, well, at least I know where I stand. I just wanted to know where the ceiling was with y'all. <laughs> so y'all don't get it. Anyway, he worked on it. I go back two days later, get it out. So we got a grand total of $710. And it cooled. And I'm upset. I'm mad. I'm angry. I, I just, you know, I'm like, I don't understand it. Why my air conditioner got to tear up now? Why, in fact, do it got to be my air conditioner? And why it got to happen while I'm on vacation? And why it got to happen when I'm in El Paso where I got to use a dealership where they charge a little more where I couldn't be back home and get it fixed at the other guy's shop that would be cheaper? I did, all this is wrong. And so I'm pouting. 
And I remember, I don't want to talk to nobody. I told my wife, I said, all that mess going to New Mexico, I said, that's out. We ain't going nowhere. We're going to sit here and eat pork and beans and gravy and get, get our bus back to the house because this trip here has done toast. Now, I know y'all don't ever act ugly like that, but I did. And I said a lot of stuff, and I said, we ain't doing jack, and we, you know, this has just been a trip from hell right here. <laughs> we, you know, we're just going to survive, see your mom and dad, we're gone. I got to go back and try to figure out how we're going to pay this. I said, because that's on my card, 18% interest. I said, my God, it'd be three years, we'd still be paying on this. See, you hear all that faith that was coming out? And so I went into the bedroom there where we were sleeping, and I closed the door, and I just stayed in there. And I remember, this is honest God truth, I was sitting on, on that bed, and all I was doing was having a pity party, and I was feeling sorry for myself, and I was half ticked off at God for letting it happen. I'm supposed to be the Teflon boy. I ain't supposed to nothing be sticking on me. You know what I mean? Blessings. Not this. And I remember I was sitting on that bed and just sitting there, and I told God, I said, I don't understand this. I don't understand none of this right here. Now, back that, in that time in my life, that today wouldn't, be a, wouldn't even be a blip on my radar. But back then, it was a big deal because you grow in faith. And I was sitting there, and this is the honest God truth. I heard the Lord so loudly that I turned to see if he was sitting by me. You mean audibly? I mean louder than that. And I heard God say, I thought you said it was my van. That's all he said. That's all he said. He said, I thought you said it was my van. And when he said that, a light went off and a video started playing in my mind. And I saw me and my three little children out in that little apartment complex parking lot. And I saw me with the olive oil slicking up across on the hood of that van. And I saw us laying hands. And I heard my own voice say, Lord, this is your van. This is your van. I dedicate this to you. I thank you for it. And then it came to my rapid mind. It is your van. And if it's your van, that's your air conditioner that don't work. And if that's your air conditioner that don't work, that's your bill on my visa card from Rudolph Chevrolet. And I know you're going to pay your bills. And I'm telling you, you know what happened to me? In that moment, in my heart, I believed. I believed it was God's van because I'm the one that said it was. I believed it was God's van and that makes God's air conditioner part of the van and that makes God's bill on my visa card part of that whole package. And I remember it changed the way I foresaw everything. And I came out of the bedroom, and the first thing I did is I apologized to my wife. And I said, I'm sorry for the way I've acted. Sorry for what I said. We are going to go to New Mexico. We're going to do everything we plan to do and just forget all that. And then I went straight to her parents with tears in my eyes, and I said, listen, Pop, Grandma, I'm sorry for the way I've conducted myself and everything here, I said, I, I should be a better example to you than that. I ask you to forgive me, and I said, we're going to go and do everything we plan to do as a family while we're out here. We don't get to see y'all about once a year, and I'm sorry, and everything's going to be all right. And we went on and enjoyed that vacation. Now, here's the good part. When I got back home, went back to work. I was the chief at EMS in Tiff County, went back to work, you know, and left. And I remember I'd been there, I don't know, two or three days back from vacation, and my wife called me one morning. And she said, and when she called, and I answered, and she said, uh, she said, I got something to tell you. And it just sounded, you know, I said, well, what's wrong? 
She said, no, you're not wrong. She said, she said, this morning a man came to the back door and rung the doorbell. And he told me that he was praying this morning and God spoke to him and said that we had a need in our home. And she said he counted five $100 bills and put it in my hand. And I said, glory to God. But the brother was disobedient because the bill's 710. <laughs> I said, the brother should have cranked off a couple more. And the, no, I just, but I, that's what I thought. But I was like, and, and she was just broken and tearful. And, and I mean, for somebody to come to your house. Now, it wasn't a total stranger, but nobody knew about this. Nobody. He counted off in $500. We went home three days. And so that Sunday I was preaching at a, I remember I was preaching at Vickers Holiness Baptist Church in West Berrien that Sunday. And I went and preached over there for those people. Didn't mention nothing about nothing. Preached the message. I was walking down the center aisle and uh, uh, as the church concludes over there because me and the pastor, they make you stand at the back door and shake everybody's hand. And I was going down and as I walked down the center aisle, a man reached out and grabbed my arm. And he said, while you was preaching this morning, God spoke to me, son, and told me to give you this. And he handed me a check for $300. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And, and listen to me. And I had $800 for a $710 bill, and, it, and I had the money in hand before the ever visa bill ever came due. I want to tell you that God will do that kind of stuff. And, 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 and I've been kind of slow, and, but in those early days, God did so much of that kind of stuff because he was teaching me, if it matters to you, it matters to me, son. And he said, if you can trust me in these things, which he calls, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, the money thing is, is it's not a big deal for God. And if I, can, if I can do this with this, what more can I do when something else comes? If you'll just trust me in the natural things in your life. And, and what changed it? Remember when, when, when Mary Martha's brother died, Lazarus, and, and Martha come out and said, listen, don't roll that stone away. He's already dead. He's, he's decaying. He stinks. Jesus looks at her and said, did I not say to you that if you would just believe, you would see the glory of God? But notice what comes first, believing and then seeing. The world says seeing is believing. But the Bible teaches us that believing is actually seeing. Because you see it through eyes of faith. You see it in the spirit even when you hadn't seen it in the natural. And that day, God spoke to me. And he just brought my own prayer, my own word. I thought you said it was my van. So again, we've said things like that, haven't we, Ivory, as far as with the church. We said, Lord, this is your church. These are your people. This is your building. These are your air conditioners on the roof of this building. Everything, this is, if this roof leaks, God, this is your roof leaking. Now, we're stewards of it, but this is your house. This is where we feed your sheep in. This is where we teach, train, and disciple. This is your, this is your place. I, I, I hope this is encouraging to you today. Now, I don't know what you're facing, but I want to say that one word, believe. Don't believe in something. Don't believe in the, believe in the person. Believe in Jesus. And let him do it however he wants to do it, and then you'll have a testimony. I, I don't ever get tired of telling that, and i got a bunch of them to tell. But God came through, and he's proven to himself to me over and over, not because I need him to prove it, but because he's a good, good father, just like we've sung today. Amen. Stand to your feet and give God praise. Praise you, Lord. Hey, uh, 
John, can y'all sing a little bit of that? Uh, I, listen, I want the elders to come that are here. I know we got several of them traveling today. Crawford's out, Ron's out traveling. But uh, we, we love you guys. Some of the home group leaders, please come. Home group pastors, Pastor Keith, y'all come. And we and we we're always want to be here for you if you want prayer. If you don't, we fist to cut you loose, okay? But I, can, can, can we just let them sing that song so encouraging? Just sing one verse of it maybe. Okay, go ahead. Come on, praise the Lord now. How many found it to be faithful? Yes, you're faithful, Lord. What's God promised you, church? We're here for you if you want prayer. Why don't you praise God for his faithfulness to you? Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, to your word, to your promises. And Father, we come in agreement and we believe you. We believe in you. We believe upon you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise for that faithfulness of your heart towards your children. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Amen. We love you, Grace Point. God bless you. If you want prayer, you haven't come yet, please come here.